Amen. Well, good morning again. If this is your first time, my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, last week, Pastor Mike started us off on a little bit of a journey through Hebrews 11. We're talking about these stories of faith in Hebrews 11, and really they're stories for our faith. And so we're going to be looking at this great, what is known as the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11 between now all the way leading up to Easter, where you guessed it, we're going to talk about the main character. His name is Jesus, and certainly um, hope that Jesus will make himself known to us this morning as well. This morning, my job is to look at verse 3, really. The pastor in Hebrews starts off this account of evidence and testimony of faith with a little nod to creation. It's just one verse. And he says, By faith we understand, verse 3, that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. Now, many people believe that this letter is actually a sermon, that this was like a pastor, a sermonic letter, maybe you could think of it. And really, he's already talked in some sense about creation. The beginning of Hebrews chapter 11 kind of causes our minds to go back to the very beginning of the letter. And so what I want you to do with me is I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 1. I believe it will be on the screen as well. And we're going to look at what he starts off his sermon saying, and you're going to notice something about God and creation And really, then we're going to apply that to faith today. Beginning in verse 1. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, Jesus is, and the exact imprint of his nature. And Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Really two things we're going to look at this morning and then just have a little bit of an application. The first is we want to look at the testimony of creation, what creation is saying about God. And then we want to look at the partnership between creation and faith. And what really this pastor, I think, in Hebrews is trying to, how he's trying to encourage us to build up our own faith. And here in the beginning first three verses of the whole letter in Hebrews chapter 1, you do see this testimony, this testifying, this witness about creation and about God. And really the pastor here in Hebrews is working on several presuppositions. Meaning when he comes and he writes this letter or he delivers this address to the church, he has some foundational things that he already believes in his head. And what he believes radically affects the way he addresses those around him, himself, the Lord, the world, it changes everything about how he sees everything. And what we see is five, I think, specific presuppositions that are going to be very important. This isn't like an education, you know, five-minute tangent. This is actually super crucial to our faith and our experience of faith. The first presupposition that we see in verses 1 through 3 is that God exists. And he reveals himself. Hebrews 1 begins a lot like Genesis 1. You know Genesis 1, if you haven't, it begins like this. In the beginning, God. Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God. And so right there in the beginning, you see that this guy understands God exists. And he reveals himself, namely, verse 3 says, through Jesus. Jesus is the radiance, the shining forth, the brightness of the glory of God. He's the exact imprint of his nature. In Colossians 1 Jesus, Paul says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He makes what was not able to be seen, seen. Jesus even says to his disciples in the Gospels, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
So we have God exists and reveals himself. Foundation number one. Foundation number two. God has intentionally designed all things with a purpose. Look in verse one. God spoke to our fathers by, there's a means there, the prophets. He rose up the prophets intentionally, created that office to speak to his people. These last days he speaks to us now through his son, whom he appointed. There's instruction, there's design, there's purpose, through whom he also created the world. And that, that creative world word isn't just like, um, you know, he made something. It involves this idea that he made things with a purpose. And he makes purification for sins. So there's meaning, there's purpose, there's design all throughout the beginning here. The third foundation of presupposition is that God is ruling over all and sustaining all things. In verse 2, you see that Jesus is the heir of all things. Verse 3, he's upholding. Some translations say he sustains the universe by the word of power. Amazing. So God speaks the world into existence and he continues to speak. And his voice that continues to speak is actually upholding and sustaining the world. In fact, if he stops speaking, the world ceases to exist. That's how powerful and present this God is. He's ruling over all. He's sustaining all. He sat down. Verse 3 says at the end, at the right hand of the majesty and high, he's ruling and reigning right now. Fourth, God desires, this God who exists and reveals himself, who brought purpose and design into all creation, the one who's ruling and sustaining, this God desires to be in relationship with us. That is incredible, isn't it? He spoke to our fathers. Now he speaks to us through his son. The very reality that God desires to speak to us reveals that he wants to be in relationship with us. And that does lead to that fifth and final presupposition that God is, as we've mentioned, always speaking. He's always speaking. And he speaks in a number of different ways. All ultimately submissive to the word of God. Before anybody throws anything at me, chill out. He speaks through creation. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night reveals knowledge. There is no place you can go where their voice is not heard. Creation is shouting and testifying. God exists. Romans 1, we're going to see in a little bit. There are invisible attributes of God that are made clearly known through his creation. God also speaks to us through our conscience. In Romans 2, the law of God was written on our hearts, and it says that our conscience now bears witness. God speaks to us through our circumstances. Think about the story of Jonah <laughs> and God navigating, moving, and swallowing, and spitting, and revealing. You see it in Paul's thorn in the flesh. Paul asked that God to remove it, and he says, no, there's a purpose so that Paul would not rely on his own strength, but would boast in his weakness and would depend on the strength of God. God is using our circumstances. God speaks through the church. You think his people, Nathan the prophet, who comes and approaches David. Think about Colossians 3 and, and Ephesians 5. We're addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We're filling up one another with the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, the gifts that God has given to the body is to build up believers. And many of them are speaking gifts. Hebrews 10, don't neglect to gather together, but come together. Stir up one another to love and good works. Hebrews 3, exhort one another daily as long as it's called today so that you're not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So God is speaking to us through each other. And if you're following along, Pastor Mike told me this week, he used to tell you know, his girls, God speaks to us through all these seas, creation, our conscience, circumstances, the church, and scripture. 
Nailed it that time. It was, it's a really hard word to say. He speaks to us ultimately and finally and authoritatively through his word. In fact, all these other things must come under what God says in his word. Is it true? It's how we navigate with wisdom. These are my emotions. Am I perceiving something wrong? Are there desires and idols in the way? Lord, what are you saying to me? What do you want to say? What are you doing in my heart and my life? It's a theologian, Bruce Waltke, who said, at the heart of Moses' creation theology lies this revolutionary message. One personal benevolent God overcomes an ancient, that's what that word means, chaos of an abyss, blanketed in darkness to create a habitable world and its inhabitants. Look at that last sentence. This assertion that God is the creator of all, that is good and ruler of the universe, is the ultimate statement of the creation narrative. The testimony of creation is that God exists. God reveals himself. He's given everything design and purpose. He's ruling over all things. He's sustaining all things. He desires to be in relationship with us, and he's always speaking. And so with that testimony, we then go, okay, well then what is the connection that the author of Hebrews is trying to make between faith and creation? And so we go to Hebrews 11. And in verse 1, it says, faith is the evidence of things not seen. And you're like, cool, 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 cool. What does that mean? Pastor Mike said last week, you know, this isn't really a definition. It's more of a description. It's poetic. Verse 3 is actually this, like, image of what the author is talking about in verse 1. Faith understands that the world, what is seen, was made out of what is not seen, the word of God. And so verse 3 is a specific illustration of the definition or the description of faith in verse 1. And if it still sounds confusing to you, good, that means you're not pretending this morning. And Jesus loves when people don't pretend. There's another place, actually, we can, we can help get some clarity here. There's another place where you see in the New Testament that God's invisible attributes are made known clearly. It can be clearly seen by man. In Romans chapter 1, verse 20. It says, since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, you can't see it, namely, and he defines that his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, or what we see in Hebrews 11, they've been understood by what has been made. Same word, by faith, Hebrews 11.3, we understand, we clearly see that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. And so there in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, it says, we can understand invisible attributes of God by the things that have been made. Things like power and design and beauty. You know it. You've gone, you've stood in front of the ocean. You've been overwhelmed by the power of a current. You've seen this repetitive nature, this consistent working, the tides coming in and out. There's faithfulness. Many of you, you know, probably thought about the unending grace and mercy that just keeps coming in. If you've been in our church for a little over a year, maybe you're thinking about waves of renewal that keep coming in, but it's speaking to you. You know, here in Delaware, it's like the windiest state in the world. I think, and you just get like these 20 to 40 mile per hour gusts constantly, and yet that is orchestrated by God. It's saying something about him, his power, his movement. You can go and you can stand in the Rockies and be in awe of the beauty and splendor and power of God. You can stand over the Grand Canyon and see this vast design. It's powerful. You see God's handiwork in things that have been made. They're speaking. They're saying something about him. And here... In Hebrews 11.3, it says, Likewise, we can understand in the same way 
that the invisible word of God brought forth the visible creation. We understand that by faith, he says. And so Romans 1.20 seems to say that the evidence we have to know that God made the world is that the things he made clearly point to a maker. And so the connection in Hebrews 11 then is the way we can know God did all of this is by faith, ultimately. This is what he says. God gives faith to people, and that faith in his people becomes like wind and waves and mountains and grand canyons and oceans testifying that there is a God who not only made the world but made us. So faith, at least in part, is like this kind of spiritual seeing. John Piper says it's like perceiving the fingerprints of God on all the things that he has made. The order, the beauty, the greatness. I think that's what the pastor of Hebrews means when he says faith is the evidence of things unseen. And here's why. Because we all look at the same world and some people see God and some people don't. We all look at circumstances. Some people see God. Some people don't. We all hear the news. Some people see God. Some people don't. We all experience death and brokenness and sickness, and some people see God and some don't. We all experience blessing and joy and provision and prosperity, and some people see God and some people don't. And those who see God have this evidence, this testimony in themselves, namely faith. In other words, faith is like this grasping or perceiving or understanding act. It's a spiritual act that, like Piper said, sees the fingerprints of God. And it's not like believing them into being, you know, Pastor Mike warned us, it's not like wishful thinking or the power of positive thinking. That's not authentic faith. Real faith is based on real truth. Looks deeply at the world that God has made, or even maybe you can say looks through it, so to speak, and then by the grace of God, it can see the glory of God. It sees God exists. There's something internally, the conscience, the circumstance, creation that goes, oh, there's a maker. There's design. There's order. There's ruling here. Something is upholding this. Something is sustaining this. Something is speaking. Something is giving me faith. And it goes, it's God. And so with that being said, I want us to consider the world around us, the world around you, your, your world, your sphere, your experiences, what's happening in your life right now. And I want to encourage you with what time we have left to look at all of this creation and these seasons and the news and the circumstances of your life in a different light, namely the light of faith. I want to help you notice the fingerprints of God in your life right now. And so one of the things to help us do that is I want to, I want to talk about two of the attributes of God uh, that are also attributes of faith. Namely, God is both transcendent and he is imminent. Transcendence is just a theological word that means that God is above. He's completely other than. He's independent of his creation. God is infinite in all aspects of his being. He never changes. He has no source. There's no beginning with him. There's no end with him. He needs nothing. He depends on nothing. He owes nothing. You see it in scripture saying he is holy, holy, holy. He's perfect in every way. Simply put, God is God and we are not. Amen? That's what it means that God is transcendent. And yet, 
many people can easily live their Christian life with only the experience that God is other and out there and holy and seemingly far away. But scriptures teach us that God is also imminent. It's different than omnipresent. Omnipresent talks about God being everywhere, but imminence brings in this intimate characteristic of the omnipresence of God. It means that God is personal. He's near. He's with us. He sustains us. He's involved in our lives. He's present within his creation, especially his people. He keeps our bodies, Psalm 104, from exploding apart. <laughs> he grows grass for livestock to eat. He's personally invested in his world. It's this idea that not just does God exist everywhere, but some places he actually exists in very unique and powerful ways. Namely, his people. For example, you see in scripture that he is near to the brokenhearted. He's not just present there. That's not what that verse is saying. He's with them. Second Corinthians, he's comforting them, chapter 1. Psalmist says he inhabits the praises of his people. So there's something distinct happening in this room as we sing praises to God than on the playground. God is in both places, but he's inhabiting praises here. He's making his power known in a powerful way. And so God is both transcendent and yet he's imminent. Likewise, faith is both transcendent and imminent. Meaning, if I were to ask you this morning, what is faith? Think in your head just for a couple moments. How would you describe faith? How would you define faith? What is faith? And then I would follow up and say, okay, based on your definition, do you have faith? Do you have faith? And many of you maybe even used Hebrews 11.1 1 in your head as the description, and then you're like, yeah, I do. And then I would ask the question, well, how do you know you have it? <laughs> how do you know you have it? And what probably happened in your head or what needs to happen is when I say what's faith, maybe some of us thought about like these abstract truths or realities or things we've heard. Well, faith is, you know, what I know about God, what I believe about God is he's holy, he's good, he's just He's righteous. He exists. He said, Jesus died on the cross for me. And there's all these things of the story that I'm believing. And then I'm even going, and his Bible reveals different sets of doctrines. So I have this category of how I understand God and what is right and what is wrong and how I should live and all these things. But all of that faith talk kind of seems like heady, mental, intellectual, abstract. It's kind of over, it seems transcendent. But the moment you go, how do you know you have faith? You can't reach for that. There's got to be some kind of experiential evidence in your life where you go, this is fruit that I have faith. How do, how do I know that I believe that Jesus is the Son of God? How do I know that I believe He's Lord of all and of the greatest value? I would give anything for Him. I follow Him on the way. I live according to His word. There's fruit. Faith moves ultimately from transcendence to imminence. You know, to have faith, you have to believe in something. Something happened, something is explained, something is spoken, and you believe. But the fruit that you believe is that you actually change. So we have the story, the Old Testament, the New Testament, the gospel. We've got doctrine, what we believe about God and man and life. It's crucial. 
But then we have us, we who are to live by faith in a new way full of the Spirit. And faith oftentimes does seem to be kind of transcendent or abstract in nature, but what you find in Hebrews and what you find in the lives of these testimonies in Hebrews 11 that we're going to see in the weeks to come is that in its essence, this kind of faith is imminent. It's near. It's experiential. Honestly, even in my own life, there have been several times where I have lived by faith in this story, but really it's just kind of been these abstract principles and set of doctrines. And my faith in many ways, has not been tested, right? But ultimately, when suffering comes and knocks on your door, right? When we go through trials, when we enter seasons of doubt and discouragement, when we struggle and wander, what we need so badly in those moments is not abstract lists of doctrine, we need to experience God. We need to know he's with us. It's one thing to go, yeah, God, I believe that you are in control, ruling, sustaining. Like, it would be crazy for me to not believe that. But what I need to know is that you care about me. I need to feel you with me. I need to know that you see my needs, that you're going to take care of me. I need to be reminded of your presence in my life. We need to experience God. And actually, that's the point of Hebrews, like the whole letter, certainly 11. The pastor's been talking about how this big, transcendent, great God in his goodness stepped into his broken creation to make all things new. That he became, Hebrews 4, our sympathetic high priest. That Hebrews 7, he's interceding now for us day after day that Hebrews chapter 8, he remembers our sins no more because Hebrews chapter 9, he gave himself as a final sacrifice. That Hebrews chapter 13, 5 and 6, he promises to never leave us or forsake us. And so when you read these stories about Noah and Abraham and Moses and Daniel and David, you see legitimate fallen people in a fallen world who are experiencing real suffering and trials. But what you see in their faith is that they believed unwaveringly that God existed. They believed in the design and purposes that they saw in creation. They believed that God was ruling and sustaining. They believed that God wanted to be in relationship with them. They believed that God was speaking to them and leading them. They believed that God was going to make everything right. And they lived by faith, experiencing God along every path of their life. Did they wander? Oh, you bet. Did they make mistakes? Oh, yeah. Did they sin? You remember last week, you know, Pastor Mike, God's not ashamed to be called their God. Samson's on that list. David's on that list. I'm on that list. You're on that list. Their experience of faith was an experience of the imminence, the nearness of God. His presence, his voice, his care, his love, his forgiveness, his strength. And friends, I really do believe that's the testimony of faith and what is happening here in Hebrews 11 which is why he nods back to creation. What do you see in creation? What invisible attributes of God do you see? And then what do you see in the new creation that Jesus came into this creation and he's making all things new? I want to remind you this morning that God exists. I want to remind you that God created everything around you, that he created you, that his designs and his purposes are running even through the circumstances of your life. 
He is still ruling and reigning and upholding you as well as the universe at the same time. (laughs) The earth is still revolving around the sun and you're still breathing and your heart is beating. He is holy and other and yet he is near. He desires to be in relationship with you. He wants you to have faith and believe in the story and believe what his word says about him and, and life and how to live. But he also wants you to experience him. He knows that in order, Jesus knows that in order for us to endure the unavoidable sufferings of this life, just like Noah and Abraham and Moses and Daniel and David, we are going to need him to be with us, like really with us, like we feel him with us, like we see him, we hear his voice. And so by way of application, I just want to give you three encouragements this morning to build up your faith. my desire is really that you would experience God in your life, not just abstract and transcendent, but that you would would sense his nearness to you. So first encouragement, look for the presence of God. As been mentioned, look for the fingerprints of God in your circumstances. What what we're doing there is, and this is, we're going to, I'm going to ask you to pray this here in a little bit. We're going to pray that God would reveal himself in what is happening in our lives that he would make himself known. Often in scripture, when, when the Lord wouldn't change a circumstance, it was because he wanted to change the individual or he wanted to use that individual to change others. And so maybe you're just in a circumstance and you've been begging God to change it and you're kind of like, why aren't you changing it? And what I would encourage you to ask today is, God, what, <laughs> how are you revealing yourself? Where am I supposed to be seeing your power that I'm not seeing your power? Where am I supposed to be seeing your provision and I'm not seeing your provision? Where am I supposed to be seeing your kingdom and I'm not seeing your kingdom? Where am I supposed to be seeing your mission and I'm not seeing your mission? In what ways is God showing you even still his compassion? In what ways can you still see glimpses of beauty? In what ways are you experiencing the mercy and the grace of God, his holiness? Ask God to reveal himself to you. Look for his presence. Search for it. Seek for it. Secondly, draw near to God. It's it's amazing because this whole point, the whole point of this message, the imminence of God, is that God has drawn near to you. And yet Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith it's impossible to please God and so draw near to him. Because he rewards those who seek after him. And you, you might say, well, how do I draw near to God? I love telling you things you already know. You know how to draw near to God. There's nothing like new and novel about what it means to relate with Jesus. What we're doing right now is a pretty good start. <laughs> we're drawing near to the Lord. We're reading his word. We're meditating on his scripture. We're singing. We're fellowshipping with one another. We're praying without ceasing. God has given you this abundant, you know, tool chest for you to build up your faith. He's drawn near to you. He's given you himself, his resources, his power. And then the scriptures say, you've got to have faith to please him. So use all of these things and draw near to God. As he's pressing into you, press into him. And so I would say... 
even as hard and difficult as maybe some of your circumstances are, and you're struggling to see the presence of God, all the more, by faith, press in to Jesus. And the third and final encouragement would be hope in God. Psalm 54, verse 4 says, Surely God is my help. He's the one who sustains me. Psalm 55, cast your burden on the Lord. He, he will sustain you. He'll never permit the righteous to be moved. So you hear all these wonderful verses and encouragements that God is with us. He draws near as he sees our need, etc. But, you know, maybe you're thinking, who cares if he's with me if it doesn't get better? That's, that's why you need to experience God. Real faith is certainly based on more than experience. As I said, it needs real truth. You need to know the story. Because in verse 39 of Hebrews 11, what does it say? All these people, all this hall of faith, all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. God had provided something better. You know, you might get cancer and die from it. Your marriage might not ever be what you want it to be. There are some relationships in your life that may never be restored. You might not ever have your dream job or make more money. You may really have to struggle, seemingly more than others, with specific temptations until you die. And so maybe you're saying it's tough for me to have faith and be comforted that God is with me because I want these things to change. And you just need to know today it might not change. It just might not. And so look at these stories. Look at what faith is. Grab hold of substance. And here's what you do have. You do have a guarantee that it actually will one day after this life be perfect. And so it's like now it's okay in my heart to go, oh, okay. Then it is enough that you're with me. And if you're going to sustain me and if you're going to make me endure all the way to the end, yes, I'm going to believe you can change things. Yes, I'm going to pray to my dying breath that you do. But even if you don't, just don't leave me. Bring me all the way to the day when you make it all new. Please just get me there. Because one day, one day, there's not going to be any more darkness. There's not going to be any pain. There won't be broken marriages. There won't be wandering children. There won't be any more tears. There's not going to be cancer or chronic sickness. There won't be death. There won't be goodbyes. There won't be brokenness. There won't be any more need for endurance. Only beauty and joy and glory will exist as we fellowship with each other and Jesus for eternity. That is enough. That's the testimony of these men and women who many of them didn't receive what was promised in their life. Moses didn't go into the promised land. God is making all things new. And until he does that completely, what he has promised is to be with you and to sustain you. That's the ultimate testimony of faith in Hebrews 11. So let's bow our heads. I want you to pray a few specific things, but you do as the Lord leads. In just a moment, our elders will be up here and we'll have other ladies as well.
And my encouragement would be that you pray a few things. First, that you think about the circumstances in your life and you ask God to help you see his fingerprints. Secondly, that you ask him for strength in the midst of your circumstances to draw closer to him. And third and finally, ask him to solidify and cement that hope in your heart. That at the end of the day, if things don't change, you know one day they really will. So just take a few moments and pray in faith to Jesus.